Good morning. We're going to deviate a little bit. We're going to get out of the book of Luke. And uh, we, we were talking about it at our elders meeting Tuesday, and I'm sure Jackie will introduce it. But uh, going to talk a little bit about prayer. And uh, so Jackie has chosen Psalm 116 and just one verse. Psalm 116, verse 1. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for the mercy that you have given us. I thank you for the mercy tree, Lord, for your son that you gave. Lord, right now as we look to you, I just pray that you would pour out your spirit upon this place, that you would anoint your word, that you would help us to hear those things that you want us to hear individually and collectively as a body. Lord, we are so blessed to be called your children and so grateful that you've given us your Holy Spirit. Just pray right now for your anointing on Jackie to deliver this message. And we just uh, pray that we would go out changed. In Jesus' name, amen. I know some of you think, how long can he possibly go on one verse? If you've been here for the last nine years, you know I can go a long time on one word. So, <clears throat> as I was um, praying about and pursuing this idea for the next couple of weeks, at least up until the time that the Boss Sox are here with us, we're going to talk about prayer. And, and I hope we're going to uh, not just give the normal stuff about prayer, but actually maybe deal with some of the hard questions and the struggles that we have. Because oftentimes the reality is we stop praying. And we stop praying, things stop happening. And we wonder why things stop happening. And we'll attribute things stop or, or, or things coming up in our life to, to other things. We struggle with this idea. We struggle with the idea of God being sovereign, of <coughs> the Lord. Being in charge of the universe and do my prayers matter? Does God just do what he's going to do anyway? And I hope we'll be able to, to kind of wrestle our way through it. And I hope we'll be able to understand a little better, at least today, a little better about what, what prayer is for. What it gives us. What we're missing out on when we neglect it. And uh, so that's our, that'll be our challenge this morning. As I was reading, I like to read, I read a lot of books, and E.M. Bounds had this story, I just want to share it with you real quick. He says, a dear friend of mine who was quite a lover of the chase told me the following story. Rising early one morning, he said, I heard the baying of a score of deer hounds in pursuit of their quarry. So looking away into a broad open field in front of me, I saw a young fawn making its way across and giving signs, moreover, that its race was well-nigh run. Reaching the rails of the enclosure, it leapt over and crouched within ten foot, ten foot of where I stood. A moment later, two of the hounds came over. So the fawn ran in my direction and pushed its head between my legs. I lifted the little thing up to my breast and, swinging round and round, fought off the dogs. I felt just then that all the dogs in the West could not and should not capture that fawn after its weakness had appealed to my strength. So is it when human helplessness appeals to Almighty God. For well do I remember when the hounds of sin were after my soul. Until at last I ran into the arms of Almighty God. 
Psalm 116.1 says, I love the Lord. Why? Because He hears my voice. The God of the universe is listening to me. I can't get my own kids to listen to me. The animals I have around the house can't get them to listen to me. Why would the God of the universe? So we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. And I, and I hope it lays, begins to lay a foundation for this vital discipline within, within the Christian life. You've heard me talk about before, you know, you, you, uh, you can't have a relationship with someone you don't talk to. If you do, that's not a relationship. And we're fond within the church of saying that it's not about religion, right? A list of do's or don'ts or binding ourselves to, to certain principles, but it's a pursuit of God. It's a pursuit of Him. It's a pursuit of a relationship. Prayerlessness is not okay. Prayerlessness robs us of exactly what having a relationship with God is all about. So do we understand prayer? Do we understand it? Like that fawn jumping over the fence and realizing there's no help anywhere but that guy over there. And if we can recognize the same thing, there's no help anywhere but with God Himself and running to Him. Oftentimes we go through the Scripture, and we're, we're going to talk about it in just a moment. We go through the Scripture, and, and we'll spend some time talking about it. Uh, Jesus saying to people, your faith has made you well, your faith has made you well, your faith has made you well. Right? We've heard that before. The leper comes to him, Lord, if you're willing... Uh, you can make me clean. And he says, I am willing. Uh, according to your faith, may it be unto you. And you have all of these ideas. And we start to develop an idea that the way that those things occur is because they have somehow some special kind of faith in Jesus' ability to heal them. And I'm going to say it happens because they have enough faith or trust to go to him. They ask him, what lepers got healed? The ones asked him, what blind man got healed? The ones that asked him. The ones that had enough trust in Jesus to ask. It's not faith in faith. Faith is not some magic word or some magic belief that we have. Faith is simply saying, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to put my hope in you. Do we understand prayer? Because prayer in its basis form is simply communication with God. Talking to God. And here's the amazing thing. God says he wants you to do it. He wants you to talk to him. The nation of Israel <clears throat> would get to different times in their history... Well, not only would they not talk to God, they even forgot there was a Bible. They wouldn't read their Bible. They wouldn't pray. They found themselves wandering into idolatry and unfaithfulness to God. And, uh, and then only when they would turn, only when, when their circumstances would change, and they would enter into some type of hardship, would they once again lift their eyes up. But God was there the whole time. Wasn't he? He says that he wants us to know him in Hosea chapter 6. I want you to know me. He says, I want you to be faithful. I want you to trust me. Those are his charges against the nation of Israel. We want to be able to, to comprehend that. So we want to understand. How does the Bible describe it then? How does the Bible describe this relationship? In Matthew 6, 6. He said, but when you pray, go into your room and shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Did you catch the beginning, verse 6? When you pray. It doesn't say if. When you pray. 
go be alone with God. Go be alone with him. In Matthew 6, 9, he says, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, what? Hallowed be your name. He describes himself as our Father. We as his children. He says, go to the secret place and pray to who? Your Father, right? Pray to your Father. Matthew 6, 9, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven. Romans 8.15 says this, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions by which we cry what? Abba, Father. Dad. I don't know if I would have ever understood prayer if I didn't have Joe at home. So for those of you who know Joe, he sometimes is referred to as a ghost of Calvary Chapel. He walks the halls. You may hear him humming. You may hear him doing other things. Sorry. But Joe has autism. So since he was a baby, we knew there was something special about him. The only child that we had that I named out of the Bible, I was finally walking with God by the time he was born. So I said, I want to... I wanna give him a name out of the Bible, so I named him Joseph, after a character in the Bible that was such a great example. And now he gets to be that example to me, just not quite in the way I thought it was going to be. Yeah? You ever pick a lane in life and find out that that was a little disappointing, it didn't work out like you thought it was going to? Most of the time when you have children, you assume that they're going to grow normally, right? That you're going to have a period of time when they're in diapers, but eventually that time ends, yeah? And then you move from diapers to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. It doesn't always work out that way. Joe wore diapers till he was nine. Both of my boys changed a nine-year-old's diapers. Why they're such good kids. He was a struggle in all that time. Just want you to try to picture this. All that time. He never talked to me. Can you imagine what it's like? Have a child that can't talk to you? Whose only recourse is to do what a baby does. What's a baby do when they're hungry? Come on. What's a baby do when they're uncomfortable? What's a baby do when they're tired? What's a baby do? So you guys get the point? So if you were to strip all the ability to communicate from a child, what would they do when they're hungry? What will they do when they're tired? What will they do when they're upset? What will they do? Every little thing. There was just this incredible series of fits when they're baby you have more patience when they're 16 21 22 and I remember as Joe was developing having this incredible burden on my heart because what I wanted most in life was to be able to talk to my son And I'll never forget the day when out of the blue, I don't know why, Joe came into the living room. He was probably around 10, 11. And he climbed up in my lap and he looked at me and said, I love you, Dad. But I remember hearing God's voice saying, that's what it feels like. When you talk to me. And I began to realize that we as Christians often act like an autistic child. We throw a lot of fits. We stomp our feet. We don't get what we want. We don't like the way things are going, right? And, but we don't communicate. 
We don't talk. We don't spend time seeking the face of God. Listen, I just want you to, I just want you to think about this reality. A 16-year-old boy taken from his family at, at 16, taken to a palace, his life utterly and totally changed. He can be or do anything that he wants to be or do. But an unfortunate part of the gig is as he as he comes, <coughs> they're, they're going to make him a eunuch. So at 16, he becomes a eunuch. Everybody okay with what that is? If you don't, ask your mom and dad. But you know what that 16-year-old did? His whole life? Three times a day, every day, he prayed. He talked to God. And that young man, his name was Daniel, did some pretty incredible things for the kingdom of God, no? Now, he could have spent a lot of time complaining about how his life was, right? Well, God, I had plans. I had plans to have a family. I had plans to get married. I had plans to have kids. But he didn't do that. He talked to his dad. Are you talking to your father? Because he wants to hear from you. And only when we open up those lanes of communication are we going to be able to begin to receive from him, begin to understand, begin to deal with our own disappointments and our own things that went different than we thought they should. Right? Because we all have those, don't we? Don't we all got them? I mean, let's, let's just be honest for five minutes in church. It should be okay, right? So, we all have, have circumstances where we're disappointed with what God did. We're disappointed with how God did it. We're disappointed with a loss we suffered. We're disappointed with somebody God didn't heal. We're disappointed with somebody that we love that was taken from us. We're disappointed with something. And the only place... Where you're going to find any answer or comfort is talking to your father. Sitting in his lap. And talking to him. So when we understand prayer, when we consider the concept of prayer, are there conditions, are there things that, that we're supposed to fulfill that, that are in order to do it? And one of the things that springs right to mind, we talked about a little bit, was the Bible says to pray in what? Faith, right? To pray in faith. And I just want you to understand that faith is the faith it takes to go to Him in the first place. Faith to ask and not just say, I'll take care of it myself. Faith enough to just say, I'm gonna, I'm, I trust you, God, with my heart. I trust you, God, with my feelings. I trust you with what I'm wrestling with right now. To be able to, to humbly kneel before the God of the universe and know that He actually, <clears throat> according to His Word, loves me. And I don't go before God in an attitude of irreverence, but I'm not afraid to tell God what's in my heart. He knows. It's not a shock to Him. The one that it heals is you. Because a lot of times it's a shock to you. There's this sense in those times in counseling where someone really opens up their soul. Or maybe you've experienced it with a friend. Or maybe you experience it in marriage. I hope you have. But there's this thing where when we, when we let people into that armored area of our life, you know, the thing that we build all the walls around. Pink Floyd talked about it. I know you guys know about them, right? Everything's just another what? Crazy. Why do those things stick in my head all the time? But the reality is we build this all up inside of us. And then if we take that down, if we let someone in, there's a catharsis that happens. There's a peace. Instead of pretending, stop pretending. 
Go to your father and talk to him and talk to him in faith. Matthew 21, 22 says this. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive. What did he say? If you, if you have faith. If you have faith, you'll receive your answers. It's not faith in faith. It's not faith in healing. It's not faith in the church. It's trust in God. Faith in Him. Trust in Him. Going to Him. James 1.6 says this. Let him ask in faith. This is speaking of a man asking for wisdom. With no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea. Driven and tossed by the wind. Trust God enough to ask Him. Stop being afraid. What if God doesn't do it? Well, then He'll still be God. And you still won't. And you may or may not have the answers that you want. But you've opened up communication. And as long as you've got that, then God is able to speak to your life And you are able to let him into yours. Prayer accomplishes that communication between you and God. That it opens up trust in God and reliance in him. Next condition we see is we're to pray to the Father, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Well, being our Father implies that we're his children. How does that take place? According to John 1.12, it says, But to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become whom? Children of God. So we enter into a relationship with God. He becomes our father. We become his children. Does a father want to hear from his children? Huh? If an earthly father being evil wants to hear from his children, how much more a perfect heavenly father? To hear from his kids. To sit in his lap. To go to the Father as his children. The next condition we see as we take our little journey through the Word is we're to pray for good things. Does anybody know what is a good thing? Are you ever really sure? Who is? God is sure. No? Does God know what's good? Let's go all the way back to the garden. You guys remember the garden? Did Adam and Eve know what was good? So we got to go all the way to Genesis chapter 3. We can. Did Adam and Eve know what was good? Even after they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Did they know it was good? No. Does mankind struggle with the concept of what's good? Do you have to be afraid to ask? No. Here's where our relationship with a heavenly father is different than our relationship maybe with an earthly one. I remember <coughs> growing up, my, my mom got hurt. Uh, she was uh, 100% disabled really early in my life. Um, for the most part, she, she was in bed um, until later on when she got Alzheimer's. And now she's not in bed anymore. But she, um, when she was going through that time, I didn't want to ask her for anything. Because every time I asked her for something, it made her mad. I didn't want to ask her for cookies. I'd just go take them. I didn't want to ask her for something because I was afraid of what the response was going to be. So let's, let's just acknowledge that God will give us good things. No good thing will he withhold. That's what the scripture says. Yes? God will give us good things, but we don't always know what's good. So you be okay with asking. If God says no, then you know. But we can't always tell. I don't always know if you should change jobs. I don't always know if you should buy that house or not buy that house. I don't always know about the journeys and and decisions in your life. I don't know what's good or what's not good. Who does? God. In the Garden of Eden, what was it that Adam and Eve should have done? Hey, God. You know that he's going to be here in a couple hours to walk with us. Hey, you just hang out there, shining one, you little serpent. I'm going to talk to dad. 
I'm going to talk to dad. But just like we do in our normal life, right? We can't wait to go make our own decisions and have our own failures. We want to ask for good things. We don't necessarily know what those good things are. So we're going to talk to God. We're going to talk to him. Because he says in Matthew 7.11, If you, being evil, know how to give good things to your kids, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? To those who ask. Man, we want to recognize God is our Father, and He loves us, and He wants to hear from us. He wants us to come to Him. He wants us to talk to Him. He wants to share with us. In fact, there's a great example. What's a good thing? Is it a good thing? Is it not a good thing? Go to Second Corinthians chapter twelve. We'll we'll jump into Paul's life for a few verses. Second <clears throat> Corinthians chapter twelve, verse seven. Paul says this. So, in order to keep me from becoming conceited. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. Remember the revelations Paul had? God appeared to him on the Damascus Road. He spent time in the wilderness being taught by the Lord. Man, there's, there's a lot of great things that happened to him. He says, a thorn was given me in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. So what did Paul do? It says, three times I prayed. I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Three times I prayed, God take this away. God take this away. God take this away. But because Paul spent time talking to God, he says, the Lord spoke to me. He said, what? My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfect in your weakness. So then what happened? Paul says, therefore... I will boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardship, persecution, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul didn't know it was good. He's pretty sure that this thing that keeps happening to him, whatever it is, we don't know what it is. doesn't matter. It does not make any difference. If you want to write a book about it, go ahead. There's a couple hundred of them people don't know who write a book about what they don't know and then sell it to you for $25. And you give them $25 and now they know they should write more books about things that nobody knows. We don't know what it was. <coughs> what we know is Paul talked to dad. He said, Dad, man, this thing is hard. Will you take it away? Dad said, no. And later on, he prayed again. Dad, man, this thing in my life, this is hard. Will you take it away? And Dad said, no. And then Paul prayed again. Dad, this thing in my life is hard. Will you take it away? And Dad said, no. I won't take it away. I want you to realize this. Not one time in the text did God get angry because Paul asked over and over again. You guys remember the story of Gideon? Right? Mighty man of valor as he's hiding in a pit, throwing throwing wheat up in the air, having it all drop back down on his head. The mighty man who's going to set God's people free. And God says, hey, I'm going to use you to set my people free. And you remember what Gideon does? He's like, I don't know. I don't know, God. If this is really you, you guys remember the story? Yeah, make the ground wet and the fleece dry. Make the fleece wet and the ground dry. Make, make, he come up with a lot of things, right? Listen, not one time did God rebuke him for doing that. Do you know why? Because he's talking to his dad. And our Father in heaven 
has so much patience. He don't get mad when it takes us a while to get it. He don't get frustrated if we ask more than once, twice, three times. But as Paul is spending time communicating with God, it it comes to him. The Lord speaks to him and says, I need you weak, Paul, because that's when you'll be strong. So, Paul, will you be weak for me? Do you ever think about illness that way? Will you be weak for me so I can show myself strong in your life? So what did Paul say? Yes, Lord. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And he walked the walk, walked the path that was laid out before him. Good things, God brings them. But the good things that God brings are not always the good things that we understand. We maybe can't even reconcile it. So then I go back to step one. You remember step one? What was the needful thing for our prayer? That I pray how? In faith. Which means I trust who? I trust God. I'm going to trust Him. I love the song we haven't done it in a long time and I can't even remember the name of it now but it comes out of Job oh and I remember though he slay me you remember because Job says to God or says to his friends though he slay me I will serve him I trust him that's faith in who in some magic in some feeling or in God Trusting God, having faith in Him, trusting in the good things. Scripture says <clears throat> we should pray for needful things. Anybody got anything they need? Anybody come to church today with burdens? Issues? Things to be keeping in prayer? Philippians 4.19 says, My God will supply every need of yours. According to His riches. That's good. If it was according to mine, you won't get very much. But it's according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So what's needful? What are needful things? It kind of goes back to what's good. What do you really need? Paul needed a thorn in his flesh. What do you need? How many of you as fathers (coughs) over young children... Are pretty sure you know what's best for them. Man, I was pretty sure I know. I can tell my son, look, smoking ain't a good idea. That's not good. Can I? Do you know what's best for your son? Does God know less than you? Now, instead of having your son on your lap or your daughter on your lap, now you're the child sitting on God's lap. Does he know what you need? And if he does, you trust him? It goes back to what? Faith. Enough faith to put ourselves there before him. What scripture tell us? Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what? All these things will be added unto you. Seeking God's kingdom. Remember the prayer when when the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Remember the second verse of it? The second verse, Matthew 6.10. Your kingdom come. What? Your will be done on earth. How? As it is in heaven. That's praying, God, have your way. I trust you. I trust you. You know what you're doing. Scripture also tells us we should pray from a righteous heart. Right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. (coughs) So James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another 
and pray for one another that you may be healed. For the prayer of a righteous man avails much, right? Has great power in its work and accomplishes something. It's our heart right before God. Hebrews 10.22 tells us, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Do you trust God? Is your heart right before Him? With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Wow, we all have that. We need our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. God makes us clean. Psalm 66.18 says this, Listen, please. If I cherish iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I love my sin, God won't listen. What is the relationship of a believer, guys? The relationship of a believer in their in their prayer life and they're talking to God. That relationship really hinges on First John one nine. Right? Because 1 John 1 9 tells us what? If we confess our sins, <coughs> He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, how often should we do that? Well, every time you sin. Right? If we think we have somehow reached sinless perfection, we have pulled the veil over our eyes and we're no longer walking in reality because we are broken people. We get angry at people. We think poorly about people. We sin right and left. So what does the Bible say? I want to have a right heart before God. So what's my life look like? It looks like a life of repentance. Where I go before the Lord and I say, God, forgive me for my bad attitude. Forgive me for my anger that I just let go. Forgive me for these things, whatever it is, these things that are in my heart. I have this thirst for vengeance. Anybody else have that? I have this, you know, it just appeases my flesh. But the Word of God says, Give way to wrath, for vengeance is mine, says the Lord. That's not my place. Whose is it? You trust Him? Can you sit in your dad's lap and give him the issue and say, Lord, you, you do what's right or wrong in it. It's all yours. Will you talk to your dad? Do you talk to him about that? Do you give way, make your heart right before God? Make your heart grateful. You have a thankful heart? Here's what the scripture says. Pray from a grateful heart. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious for... Anything. <coughs> That's everything, right? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, what's the next word? With thanksgiving. I know you guys know this. With thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And what happens? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind. Is the peace of God guarding your heart? Is it guarding your mind? <coughs> Are you being anxious for everything? And thankful for nothing? Are you able to switch that? To flip it as my wife says. Flip it. Turn it around. Talk to dad. I know people who have been angry with a brother. Or a sister or a father or someone in their family. And they haven't talked to them for years. Let me ask you a question. Did I make it better? Most of the time it don't. The Bible says as much as it hinges on you, be at peace. Be at peace with all men. It doesn't say if somebody's wronged you, hold a grudge forever. And never talk to them again. And if you can't talk to them, let me ask you this. Can you talk to your father? Can you crawl up in dad's lap? Probably he's been longing to hear from you. Just to hear the sound of your voice. 
to know what you're thinking. I know that's what I long to hear from my kids. What's going on in your life? What struggles are you having? The difference is I don't give perfect advice. Do you know who does? God. Are we talking to Him? Are we seeking Him? Scripture also tells us to pray according to His will, right? Pray according to His will. 1 John 5.14 And this is the confidence that we have toward Him. If we ask anything <coughs> according to His will, He hears us. If we ask anything according to His will. Man, we all know this story, don't we? Luke 22, verse 41. Jesus is in a place called Gatsmone. The place of the oil press. Gethsemane. He's gone there to pray. And it says, He withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. And He said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You think that's all He prayed? Let me ask you a question. You think that's the only time He said that? Do you read the rest of the Scripture? It says, There appeared to Him an angel from heaven, strengthening Him. And being in agony, what's it say? He prayed more earnestly. His sweat became great drops of blood falling to the ground. I don't know for sure what Jesus was praying in Gatsmone, but there's no reason to assume he wasn't saying the same prayer. God, if there be any way, let this pass. But not my will, yours. Do you ever have to say that over and over again to God when you're in a situation? You ever find yourself in a place you didn't like? Something you didn't want to do, but, but nevertheless, that's what's laid out before you? When Kathy and I signed up for our lives, it wasn't that we would uh, care for an adult child with autism until we died. We didn't sign up for that. In fact, we would have said, I don't think we want to do that. If we could be in a different line. But God chose that life for us. So nevertheless, it's not about me, God. It's about you. Help me learn what you have for me. Your will be done. Teach me. The things that changed in my life the day I climbed up in my dad's lap after Joe got in mine and I told him, Dad, teach me what you want me to learn from my son. My whole life changed. My whole attitude, the struggle. It is not perfect. We still have bad days. But everything changed because I changed my attitude. And it took more than just one day climbing up in dad's lap and saying, not my will, yours be done. And you know what? God never rebuked me for it. He lets me say that as much as I want. He lets me climb up there and say, not my will, yours. If there's another way, God, if you can heal him, if you can change him, if you can, if you can help him be able to experience life like everybody else, man, God, that would be awesome. Nevertheless, I trust you, Dad. You do it, what you see fit. So much freedom. So much peace. Because we lay down our own selfishness and allow the will of God to proceed. We're to pray in the authority of Jesus John 16, 24, Jesus said, Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. How do we ask? In Jesus' name. Now, we took that and made it a part of our prayer, right? So, so now, just so we can say, I prayed in Jesus' name. I just put in Jesus' name at the end. Right? As that's what he meant, isn't it? Now everything that comes before the line, in Jesus' name I pray, is in His name. 
Scripture means when it says to pray in His name is to pray according to His character. It falls in line with praying according to His will. It falls in line to recognize that we pray to our Father through the Son. That Jesus is the one that made that way for me. That it's by the blood of Christ I can enter before the throne of grace. It's in His atonement that I can stand before the Father. <coughs> in Hebrews 10, again verse 19, it says, Therefore, brother, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain that is His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Go. How do I get to the Father? Through the Son. According to His character, by what He has done for me. And then God wants us to understand something else. He wants us to be persistent. Anybody ever prayed for something for a year? Two? Five? Ten? Still praying? Hallelujah. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 18. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not what? Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. So what do we do? Pray. It's the story of the unjust judge. And the woman who pleaded with him and wouldn't give him any rest and bugged him day after day after day after day. You know what? He didn't do it because he's a good man. He, did, he just did it because she pestered him. That's why he gave in to her. She's pestering me. I'm finally going to deal with the whatever. Squeaky wheel gets the grease. That's how we say it, right? How's that, how's that relate to God? If an evil judge will hear because a woman is persistent, why do you think your father who loves you doesn't want to hear you be persistent? Keep asking. He's not mad. He's not frustrated with your lack of faith. He's not frustrated with your struggles. You need to take all them bricks you've been piling around the truth that's in your life and tear them down and then be real with God. Not irreverent. Be real. God, this is who I am. I'm a mess. And let God, let God meet you in the reality of who you are, where you are. And you do it as often as you need to. Over and over and over. And not one time is God going to rebuke you any more than he rebuked his son. Any more than he rebuked Gideon. Any more than he rebuked Paul. We have several members of the church right now have cancer. Some, it's not good. Some maybe a little better. Well, is it okay to pray for them to be healed more than one time? Does the Bible say stop praying if, if God's not doing what you want? What does it say? Pray. Be persistent. Be persistent. Jesus said at the end of that story, when the Son of Man comes back, Will he find faith on the earth? That's in direct relationship to someone asking over and over. How, how much are you willing to ask God? How many times? How many times if your father, maybe, maybe many of you, your fathers are here. Maybe some of you, your fathers aren't. So if your fathers are here, just try to imagine. What would you give for one more time to talk to your dad? Would you want to talk to him one more? Your father in heaven wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from you. But we move into a place of sin called prayerlessness. Where we don't want to talk to our dad. We don't want to consider these things. So I'm going to give us a challenge in prayer for this week. And next week we'll 
talk about how things went. But I want to give you a challenge. I'm challenging myself and guys who are, are around here in the same way. <coughs> if this is what prayer is all about, at least a part of it, we'll talk more about it next time. If this is what prayer is about, then I want to open up <coughs> communication with my dad. So first thing I want you guys to do this week, pick a time and a place to pray. Every day. Pick a time and a place. In Daniel 6.10 it says, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber toward Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Daniel always prayed. He had three times a day he prayed. So I'm not telling you to do three times yet. But I am saying pick a time and a place. Pick a time and a place where you are going to pray. That's number one. Number two, listen before you speak. Pick a time and a place. Number two, listen before you speak. There is a real giver, a real guide, and a real host. So when we pray this week, let's let God speak first. That'd be okay? Let him have the first word. How are we going to do that? I'm glad you asked. Put his living and active word in your ears and let them shape and inspire what you will say back to him. There will be time for your requests. But begin by being a good son or daughter and listen to dad first. Pick a time and place. Listen before you speak. Number three, prioritize the spiritual over the physical. <clears throat> prioritize the spiritual over the physical. There's time for your physical needs, wants, struggles. Ephesians 1.16 says this, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, this is what Paul was praying for, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that you would have the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, <clears throat> and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in heavenly places. For He is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age that is to come. And He has put all things under His feet and gave Him as head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Paul says, I'm praying for you guys. I don't cease to pray for you. How is he praying? He's praying that you have a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you know God, that you're understanding more about Him, that the eyes of your heart are open. Emphasis on the spiritual before the physical. Emphasize the spiritual. Ephesians chapter 3, 14. Paul, another prayer, says, For this reason I bow my knees before my Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power by the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with the saints what is the breadth, and length, and height, and depth, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Spiritual over physical. There's time for the physical. 
The fourth thing that I want you to do, not only pick a time and place, listen before you speak, prioritize spiritual over physical. The fourth thing, don't be afraid to pray spontaneously. Just because I got you picking a time doesn't mean that's the only time you can pray. Is that okay? Here's a great thing. Somebody comes up to you and says, man, I'm really struggling. Life's hard. I'm dealing with something. You can just say, let's pray. Right then. You don't got to wait till your prescribed time. Number four, don't be afraid to pray spontaneously. Be willing. Number five, don't be afraid to pray for anything. Literally anything. For God is able to do abundantly above all we can ask or imagine according to the power that works in us. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to ask for it all. Jesus said in Matthew 17, If you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it'll be done. Don't be afraid to pray for anything. Don't be afraid to pray for healing. Don't be afraid to pray for whatever is on your heart. Don't be afraid to pray. Your Father wants you to talk to Him. Don't be afraid. There's no fear coming before the Lord. The last thing, the final thing I want you to remember, set aside your time, listen before you speak, focus on spiritual over physical, be spontaneous when you need to be, Pray for anything and always be willing to pray one more time. Always be willing to pray. Luke 18, verse 4. So she's talking to the judge. And while he refused, afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect men, this widow keeps bothering me. So I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, did you hear what the unrighteous judge says? Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Be afraid to ask God again and again. I never get tired of Joe coming into the living room and saying to me, I love you, Dad. I never get tired of the times when he wants to talk. I never get tired. If I, being evil, never get tired of listening to my son, your Father in heaven who loves you wants to hear from you. So you have your challenge this week. Pick a time, make this week a week of prayer, and let's see what God has for us next week. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to come before you, Lord, for the chance to sit on my Father's lap, to sit on his knee, and just to say, I love you, God, I love you. I love you for what you've done for me, what you're doing to me, the way you're directing my life, God. God, I pray for each and every one of us, we would have a blessed time with you this entire week. So blessed, in fact, that we, like Daniel, want more and more. God, I pray that we would begin to comprehend the purpose of prayer as we communicate with you, as we talk to you, as we let you into to us, as we let you into our life, as we, as we verbalize those things <coughs> between me and you. As I don't act like that kid having a fit. I, I, don't, I don't want to run around, spend my life following the example of my autistic son, not talking to my dad. I want to spend my life coming to you. Because I know that's what you want. I know you want to hear what's going on in my heart. I know that you know, God, but you want to hear from me. 
You want to have that sweet time that that you had with Adam and Eve walking in the cool of the evening. You want to have that time. Even as the psalmist declared, I love God because He wants to listen to me. I love you, God, because you'll listen. You hear my cry. You want to hear from me. God, I pray that we would learn the beauty of prayer, what it's for, how it works. I pray this week, Lord Jesus, that you would bless the time that we set aside to just seek your face, that you speak to your people, that your people speak to you, that you would ignite within us a desire to commune with you. God, I pray that you be glorified. And as we enter into worship, just this final song, God, I pray that the prayer counselors would be available and each and every one of us here in this room would take advantage of an opportunity to talk to Dad. That we would be <clears throat> considerate of those who are seeking an opportunity to pray, Lord. And God, that in and through it, you be glorified. Ignite your church by us being with you. For our God is an all-consuming fire. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But it is oh so good. So God, we look to you. Send your spirit through this place and call us unto you. In Jesus' name, amen.